Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Prices going higher and higher. Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. <laughs> Big Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. Big oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. Big oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? 
Big Oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me tonight on a Blog Talk Radio and, of course, my website uh, and other places where I'm broadcasting, simulcasting this episode, uh, this uh, broadcast. I see I have some good friends still in the room here. Casanova Frankenstein, my main man, Alexander Solo, GGT, uh, John Galt, Southern Sense, and a whole, bo- a whole bunch of other real nice folks. Thank you for being here tonight with me. Um, two nights ago, I played a clip, uh, an audio clip. It's actually a video, and it's a really cool video. It's called, If I Wanted America to Fail. And uh, apparently, I'm the only one who has this clip anymore because it's been removed from almost every other site. Apparently, the clip and the audio, the video is so inflammatory toward this administration that it has been virtually removed from every other site except the site I'm about to put up in the chat room right now. The Sense of Life Objectivist. Part of the uh, Ayn Rand, John Galt website. Part of uh, Ayn Rand's uh, uh, deal, the Atlas uh, Atlas Shrug site. Uh, since I learned today that apparently this uh, that this uh, this video clip has caused such a stir in the Democrat Party, the liberal base, that it has been banned from a lot of sites. I'm going to go ahead and play it for you one more time. You can find it at www.solopassion.com. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play it now, and I think once you hear it, you'll know why. You'll get the idea of why liberals and, of course, this administration during this election season finds this uh, to be so scandalous. If I wanted America to fail, to follow, not lead, to suffer, not prosper, to despair, not dream, I'd start with energy. I'd cut off America's supply of cheap, abundant energy. I couldn't take it by force. So I'd make Americans feel guilty about using the energy that heats their homes, fuels their cars, runs their businesses, and powers their economy. I'd make cheap energy expensive, so that expensive energy would seem cheap. I would empower unelected bureaucrats to all but outlaw America's most abundant sources of energy. After banning its use in America, I'd make it illegal for American companies to ship it overseas. If I wanted America to fail, I'd use their schools to teach one generation of Americans that their factories and their cars will cause a new ice age. And I'd muster a straight face so I could teach the next generation 
that they're causing global warming. When it's cold out, I call it climate change instead. I'd imply that America's cities and factories could run on wind power and wishes. I teach children how to ignore the hypocrisy of condemning logging, mining, and farming while having roofs over their heads, heat in their homes, and food on their tables. I would never teach children that the free market is the only force in human history to uplift the poor, establish the middle class, and create lasting prosperity. Instead, I demonize prosperity itself so that they will not miss what they will never have. If I wanted America to fail, I would create countless new regulations and seldom cancel old ones that would be so complicated that only bureaucrats, lawyers, and lobbyists could understand them. That way, small businesses with big ideas wouldn't stand a chance. And I would never have to worry about another Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, or Steve Jobs. I would ridicule as flat earthers those who urge them to lower energy costs by increasing supply. And when the evangelists of common sense try to remind people about the laws of supply and demand, I'd enlist the sympathetic media to drown them out. If I wanted America to fail, I would empower unaccountable bureaucracy seated in a distant capital to bully Americans out of their dreams and their property rights. I'd send federal agents to raid guitar factories for using the wrong kind of wood. I'd force homeowners to tear down their own homes built on their own land. I'd make it almost impossible for farmers to farm, miners to mine, loggers to log, and builders to build. Because I don't believe in free markets, I'd invent false ones. I'd devise fictitious products like carbon credits and trade them in imaginary markets. I'd convince people that this would create jobs and be good for the economy. If I wanted America to fail, for every concern I'd invent a crisis, and for every crisis I'd invent a cause like shutting down entire industries and killing tens of thousands of jobs in the name of saving spotted owls. And when everyone learned the stunning irony that the owls were victims of their larger cousins and not people, it would already be decades too late. If I wanted America to fail, I'd make it easier to stop commerce than to start it, easier to kill jobs than create them, more fashionable to resent success than to seek it. When industries seek to create jobs, I'd file lawsuits to stop them, and then I'd make taxpayers pay for my lawyers. If I wanted America to fail, I would transform the environmental agenda from a document of conservation to an economic suicide pact. I would concede entire industries to our economic rivals by imposing regulations that cost trillions. I would celebrate those who preach environmental austerity in public while indulging a lavish lifestyle in private. I convince Americans that Europe has it right and that America has it wrong. If I wanted America to fail, I would prey on the goodness and the decency of ordinary Americans. I would only need to convince that all of this is for the greater good. If I wanted America to fail, I, I suppose I wouldn't change a thing. And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Today's date is April 25th, 2012. 
Old Town Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Oh, yeah. Chilling, wasn't it? Um, apparently, this video clip, which is what it is, and to hear the audio, I think you get the point of what the announcer is saying, but to really get the full impact, watch the video while it's still available. It was taken down from Twitter. Uh, folks were Twittering it all over the place, and now they're not Twittering it anymore. Mitt Romney is now the man. He's the man that we need to count on to beat the man. But still I suspect that some of my peers, of which I have very few, by the way, one being Southern Sense, the other being GGT, who happened to be in the room, 2020's in the house as well. I don't think that they're convinced that Mitt Romney can beat the current occupier of the White House. Now, I know Tesla, another great blog talk radio host, has a great show on blog talk radio. I know that he has never been a fan of Mitt Romney. I know that there are other blog talk hosts who said they'll They'll vote for him while holding their nose. But right now, he's all we got. So we've got to get behind him right now and try to eke out a victory here. Apparently, he's ahead in the polls right now and doing fairly well. But what was really groovy was his acceptance speech, his victory speech. We'll play a little bit of it for you here and now, and then we'll move on to our 99.1% or 1%ers, and we'll talk about that for a little bit. But for those of you who did not hear Romney's speech, let's listen to just a little bit of it. It's 10 minutes long. We're not going to do the whole thing, but we'll listen to some of it. Check it out. He did fairly well after this break. By the way, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. In the New York City underworld, there are gangsters, killers, and corrupt cops. But today, the most wanted person in the city is a 12-year-old girl. interesting to you about these numbers. It's not just random. There's a sequence. It's a code. Help me if you can. 
girl. It was Luke Wright. What? Luke Wright, the Big Apple's hardest cop. Once upon a time. Get everybody on this. The Chinese and the Russians. Close every exit out of Manhattan. That girl does not leave the city. Let's go to war. Are we safe? To my dying day. I got the numbers. Now you're dealing with me. Thank you to the people in this room and to the people all over Florida. Thank you tonight for this great victory. There are, uh, there are fewer, there are fewer candidates tonight than uh, when the race began, uh, but uh, three gentlemen are uh, serious and able competitors, and they're still in the race. And I want to congratulate them on another hard-fought contest in this campaign. Primary contests are not easy, and they're not supposed to be. As this primary unfolds, our opponents in the other party have been watching. And they like to comfort themselves with the thought that a competitive campaign will leave us divided and weak. But I've got news for them. A competitive primary does not divide us, it prepares us, and we will win. And when we gather back here in town... All right. Uh, I want to apologize to my listeners. Uh, I put out the wrong speech. This was uh, uh, Mitt's uh, speech in... Um, in the Florida primary, I wanted to uh, to go to the um, the, the uh, speech that he uh, he put down on uh, the other night. So uh, I put the wrong speech up there. Um, I'll get it right the next time. Let's move on to the uh, the ninety nine percenters. The uh, the outrageous demands. <laughs> you know, being being a uh, historian, I happen to um, have a unique um, viewpoint regarding um, history. Uh, I believe, as many people do, that history is uh, cyclical, you know, symbian circle kind of thing where everything comes back around and around and around and around and around and if you live long enough you begin to see a pattern you begin to recognize there's a pattern to life a rhythm and if you're in groove and you're in with the rhythm chances are you'll survive and live a pretty long life with a lot less stress than people who don't recognize or don't feel the rhythm of life but along with that, events conspire to throw us off. The 1960s hippie movement, free love, free this, free that, free everything. It wasn't that long ago, was it? But now we're back. The hippies are back. Those folks who want something for nothing who want free love and free everything else. 
Lower taxes. Higher, higher taxes for the 1%. No, no, no fossil fuels at all. Immigration reform, renewable energy, criminal justice, lower jail sentences. <laughs> lower jail sentences. Fairer judges. How do you legislate fairer judges? Of course, legalize marijuana. Of course. Abrogation of nuclear oil and gas, coal, and anything used by all the people in the whole world, especially here in the United States. So no more of that. I guess we're just going to go with the with the with the sticks and the fire, you know, or, or maybe some logs. Put another log on the fire. Maybe bike riding. That's where we've come to, folks. We're back. We're back to the days of the hippie. And they're expecting something for nothing. Eliminate corporate rights as persons. I have no idea what that means. Repeal the Patriot Act. Forced acquisition of the Federal Reserve for $1 billion. Restructuring campaign finance legislation. Oh, and abolishing all credit reporting agencies. National repeal of capital punishment. Nobody dies. And gender discrimination. Education reform. Free education for all. If you want to go from first grade to a PhD, it should be free. Nobody pays. Somehow, somebody pays. I guess it's that 1%. Prosecution of the guilty. Did somebody write this crap in crayon? There's a serious list of crazy demands here. And I'm sure a lot of you, (laughs) a lot of you out there have gone over these demands ad nauseum. Exactly. Southern Sense writes in the chat room, repeal capital punishment, but allow abortions. Well, those little babies aren't really humans yet. According to these clowns, they have taken our houses through an illegal foreclosure process despite not having the original mortgage. They have taken bailouts from taxpayers with impunity and continue to give CEOs exorbitant bonuses. They have perpetuated gender inequity and discrimination in the workplace. That's us, the one percenters. 
They have continuously sought to end the rights of workers to negotiate their pay and make compliments or complaints rather about the safety of their workplace. They've held students hostage with tens of thousands of dollars of debt on education, which in itself is a human right. Since when has an education become a human right? Who decides these things? They have sold our privacy as a commodity. They have influenced the courts to achieve the same rights as people, which none of the couple with none of the culpability or responsibility. I, I, I don't I don't get that one either. They determine economic policy despite the catastrophic failure their policies have produced and continue to produce. Ladies and gentlemen, how many recessions and depressions has America gone through since we officially became the United States of America? I wonder if anybody knows. If you have the right answer, call in at 347-884-8500. Now, I will grant you this. We have had circumstances in history where governments have been overthrown. And the result has been communism and oppression of people as a result of so few having so much and so many having so little. But the difference in this case is that most Americans, no matter how poor, live better than anybody else around this world, on this planet. Most poor Americans drive a nice car, able to get them from point A to point uh, to B. Most poor Americans have televisions, cable TVs. I'll tell you what, I walk through the hood my hometown of Chicago, or even in some places in D.C. And I see some of the kids wearing FUBU. Ladies are carrying Louis Vuitton purses, some maybe knockoffs, but nevertheless. Driving nice cars, 20-inch rims on 20-year-old cars. The rims cost more than the car does. Most Americans who consider themselves poor, and the 99%, live very large. I noted that most of the occupiers that I noticed while in D.C., while at CPAC a couple of months ago, had Blackberries, iPhones, iPads, the best digital digital cameras money could buy from what I noticed, dressed very well, But yet, but the thing is, they're not really poor. Not in the truest sense of the word. They want what you have simply because you have more of it. And somehow, that's not fair. It's not fair for me to have one, two iPhones sitting here on this desk. What are you going to do with two iPhones? 
What are you going to do with two computers or three computers or four computers? While there's some kid out there in a single-parent home who can't afford to have it, have one computer, and yet you've got two or three. Or you've got two or three cars, and that lady over there has five children by six different daddies. And she needs to be able to get those little rugrats to school. But here you are, Mr. Jones, riding, riding dirty in a nice ride while you've got one parked in the garage. Shame on you. Shame, 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 shame. You are one percenter. Did I tell you the story about my experience with a occupier in my own family? Hold on, I need to I need to gather myself. I'm gonna cut the mic off for a minute while I do that. All right, I'm gathered. <laughs> gather myself. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the deal. Now I have a niece. We're going to call her Danielle because that's her name. Danielle had an opportunity to marry some of the finest young men. Boy, I tell you what. Danielle is a very good-looking young lady to be my niece. I tell you what. She was had all the tools, and I mean all of them. Brilliant. Witty, funny, charming, Southern Belle. Just a little hint of danger. Everything a nice young man likes. Boy, those guys were lining up. They were coming to the house. Ties, suits, young men in college, young Marine officers. Boy, they were wooing my young niece. I had to set a few of them straight. Hey, guys, lay off, man. You're coming around too much. Starting to get on my nerves. I'm sick of seeing you. Did she choose any of those really nice guys? Nope. Just like her mama, she chose a no good hood rat who was going absolutely nowhere. Instead of one of those studs who was finishing up his college degree, about to go into business, wearing a nice shirt, nice tie, dressed proper, no tats, no earrings. She chose a tatted up baby daddy. Already had three children by three different women. Nobody could tell her, hey, this guy's no good for you. He's not going anywhere. He's not, ta- And he's taking you there with him to Nowheresville. Oh, but she's in love. I'm in love. I love him. I love him. Okay. All right. So she marries the clown, and uh, they produce a child. Well, that's number, what, four with four different women? So now you got another one. He's got no job. She's got no job because she's burned every single bridge that was ever laid out for her. We tried to get her in college. We, we, we registered her three times in three different colleges. At one point, she refused to go. She said that it's boring. 
oh, by the way, those really nice guys who are going someplace, making big dollars, doing real well, they were too boring for her. And so was college. It was boring. So fast forward to today. She's living in a two-bedroom apartment. Credit shot to hell. Driving a 20-year-old car. And living with a bum. The car breaks down. She calls grandma. Grandma's got two cars. Grandma and grandpa are 70-plus years old. They worked hard all their lives. They saved their money. Got a nice farm, North Carolina, doing really well. Danielle asked Grandma if she could borrow one of their cars for a while. Grandma knows that Danielle is pretty much no good, unreliable, can't be trusted. She says, no, can't do it for you. Danielle becomes angry, tells Grandma off, calls her mama, my sister, tells her off. Grandma has two cars. She ain't even driving those cars. She's not driving those cars. She should give one of those cars to me. They got all that stuff over there. They got that big farm. They got this. They got that. They got this and that. And they should be giving me some. They ain't using them. When I heard this news, I was asked by my sister to set her straight. I declined to do so. Because there's nothing you can really say to a person like this. There's no way to get through to them. Just because grandma and grandpa have two nice rides parked, they're not using them. And Danielle has squandered every opportunity she's had throughout the course of her young life to better herself. And now the chickens are coming home to roost in her house. She believes that she's owed something just for just for existing just because somebody else has something that she wants she believes it's unfair that they don't give it to her and that's my story my own occupier in my own household it's a sad day sad indeed so the list of demands Outrageous. Outrageous. Now, President Obama is going around saying that we're not paying enough, that we need to give more, and it's not going over so well. And just two nights ago, was it last night, Obama officially jumped the shark. Now, a lot of you don't know where the phrase jump the shark comes from. It's origins. When a show, a television show, jumps the shark, usually they'll throw in a kid, some little kid who uh, is outrageously more adult than anybody else on the show, 
more talented, speaks well. You know, some little brat, annoying little brat, basically. Remember the series Mad About You, which was a pretty good show for a while? Well, it jumped the shark when Paul Reiser's wife kissed another dude. And then it buried itself when Paul Reiser and his wife had a kid. Well, the term jump the shark comes from happy days. Happy days. When the Fonz, after what, 11 seasons, the Fonz gets behind a motorboat. He's water skiing, wearing a leather jacket. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure if he's got shorts on or what. I can't remember that far. But I know he's wearing the jacket. And he's water skiing behind a motorboat. And he's going to water ski jump over a shark tank. And once he did that, the series was pretty much over. Because they went too far. And that's where the phrase, jumping the shark, comes from. Obama officially jumped the shark with a student loan jam. And I tell you what, I had to smile (laughs) despite myself. He just embarrassed himself on Jimmy Fallon's show. This is the President of the United States. This man has done more to denigrate the office of the presidency than any commander-in-chief, than any president in the history of this great country. Was there ever any concern, any legitimate concern that the first black president would – I mean, think about it. Think about this. There are some racists still out there. Oh, he going to be in the White House. He's going to be eating fried chicken and, 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 you know, all the usual racist talk. And this guy is living up to all of that talk. He is giving a whole bunch of racist rednecks and hillbillies and just urban folk all the fodder they need because he is really playing it up. President Obama's celebrity status. And this is uh, uh, as per an article in um, Fox Nation by Charles uh, Spearing. From the Washington Examiner as well. President Obama's celebrity status reached perplexing new levels last night on comedian Jimmy Fallon's comedy show. After watching this sketch, I think it's fair to say that he's jumped the shark. Last night on the Jimmy Fallon show, Obama slow jammed with Jimmy Fallon and his band about... His plan to freeze interest rates for student loans, criticizing filibustering Republicans for blocking his plan. But the president doesn't really jam. Rather, he delivers a version of the stump speech he gives to students earlier that day, or he gave to students earlier that day. Let's listen to Obama's jam and how embarrassing it was. I think some of you heard it. I know a lot of you heard it because it was all over Fox and Friends earlier this morning. Let's dig it. I know you've heard it, but we're going to play a little bit of it anyway because it is kind of funny. President Obama has asked 
Congress to stop the interest rates on Stafford student loans from going up this summer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was going to make a joke about this news, but I, I don't think it needs a joke. You know what I'm talking about, Tariq? Yeah, Jimmy, I think you're saying you want to slow jam this news. That's right. I want to slow jam the news, and I'm not the only one. to double. That means some hard-working students will be paying about $1,000 extra just to get their education. So I've called on Congress to prevent this from happening. What we said is simple. Now is not the time to make school more expensive for our young people. Oh, yeah. You should listen to the president. Or as I like to call him, the Preezy of the United Steezy. <laughs> Things were heating up inside Congress's chambers behind all those closed doors. So the president made a few discreet calls across the aisle. He said, hey, let's get together on this one. Without an affordable Stafford loan, working a student turn. The Pell Grant is a beautiful thing, but with college getting more expensive, is it enough by itself to satisfy all your collegiate needs? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. If Congress doesn't act, it's the students who play. The right and left should join on this like Kim and Kanye. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. It was pretty cool. I dug it. But we're, this is the President of the United States. Is this the kind of thing, is this where we're headed right now? I know we're living in a new time and a new age, and I know that Bill Clinton pretty much kicked it all off when he appeared, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but uh, when he appeared and, um, and did the saxophone thing, I dug that too. But I just have to wonder, if is this what we've come to? What's next? The president has clearly jumped the shark. He's gone way overboard. Not the president of the United States. Am I wrong? I mean, because... Um, can't the president have a little fun? I mean, can he let his hair down or something? I don't know. It's a tough call because at one point you want to say, you want to say, hey, you know, the president is, you know, he's he's an American. He's he's just like any one of us. Uh, you know, he's he's a man. He puts on his pants one leg at a time. I think. 
you know, why not let him have a, a little fun? But the thing is, I don't know. I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure that this is. I mean, uh, I I just don't think this is <laughs> this is what a president is supposed to be doing. He got this message out earlier in the day. What I don't understand about his message for about interest rates and all that is that you want an education, you want a good education, it's not free. Somebody has to pay for that. And this whole idea that we're just too greedy, that maybe, I mean, what is what do they really want? Do they want Americans, uh, the, the instructors? the professors to make less money so you can pay less for your education i mean a good education costs money it, come on even a community college costs money somebody has to pay for that and why is the president even getting involved in these things What what bothers me about this president more than anything else is that he simply doesn't he he doesn't seem to understand simple economics, supply and demand. Either he doesn't understand it or he doesn't give a damn. Because when he goes on television. And he does this stupid uh, slow jam thing on the Jimmy Fallon show, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I got to wonder, what the hell is this guy's problem? Why is he doing this? The call-in number is All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. All right. Be right back. <clears throat> Barack Hussein Obama. He's blaming Bush. He'll do it again, even though it's wearing thin. Mm-mm-mm. Barack Hussein Obama. That's what I'll say If anything starts going wrong People start pointing my way Everything is Bush's fault Every day If it gets too cold or hot The traffic's bad on the freeway So blind as he who will not see that mm-hmm. I've still got to clean up the mess that George Bush left for me. Trust in me to put it all back together, everything that he destroyed. Just take a little time and look on the bright side. Son of you are 
Robert Jones situation report. Before we go too far, before the end of the show, which has just about 10 minutes left, I want to go ahead and say happy, happy birthday to Israel. Today, Israel celebrates its 64th anniversary with fireworks and military processions at a national ceremony in Jerusalem. So happy, happy birthday to you, Israel. Wow. Wow. Okay, 64 years. That is a good thing. I'm digging that whole thing. And happy birthday to you. Oh, boy. I tell you what. (laughs) Oh, man. Did any one of you see Brett Bayer's interview with Debbie Wasserman Schultz? He took her to task and took her to pieces. It was a, one of the best one of the best takedowns that I've seen in a very long time. Fox News continues continues to speak to stand up for conservatism and conservatives and you know what fair and balanced is really what they are. I don't know any other radio, television, newsprint uh, entity that would have taken a Debbie to task the way Brett did. And for those of you who did not see it, I'm just going to play a little bit of it, then we're going to talk about it. Because Debbie Wasserman Schultz has gotten into some trouble, some hot water with the president, where he was heard to say, remember, Debbie, you work for me. 2020's got a role. His show comes on right after mine. Please be there, B Square, 2020 Radio Network, G Ski Rocks. I'll be there. Will you? Either be there or B Square. Take a listen. Check in now on the Democratic campaign. Joining me is the head of the Democratic National Committee, Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Congresswoman, thanks for being here. Thanks, sir. The president is on the road. He's speaking to college students around the country, talking about student loans. Recently, USA Today and Gallup did a a survey about enthusiasm among uh, young people. And in the presidential election, 18 to 29-year-olds, in comparison to uh, February 2008, you see the difference there, 76% to 48%. Is there a vulnerability for the president in firing up young people in this economy? 
Well, I think the president has uh, a, a tremendous record to run on for young people. The uh, the investments that we've made in historically black college, colleges and universities, the billion dollars, making sure that we've doubled the amount of Pell Grants available and increased the minimum amount available for the individual Pell Grant, making college more affordable and more accessible to more people, that's extremely appealing to young people. And uh, making it an absolute priority to ensure that we don't allow the doubling of the student loan interest rate by July, which the Republicans under the Ryan budget, um, not only do they allow that, but they also get rid of the tax credit for, uh, for student loans. And in addition to that, they opposed unanimously making sure that we prevented that from happening when an amendment was, uh, w w was sponsored in the Budget Committee and on the House floor. Now, you bring up the budget, and the President brings up the budget, the Pri Paul Ryan budget. But as you know, and we've been around this block before, the Senate Democrats who control the Senate haven't had a budget past one in now 1,091 days. Here's what you said to Greta Van Susteren when we talked about this the last time and you were on her show. I expect that that uh, that the Senate will take up a budget. That I have not heard Harry Reid. I haven't heard Harry Reid say anything uh, close to that he's not going to put a, a budget on the on the Senate floor. The Senate will. I'm confident the Senate will take up a budget. And uh, but but let's uh, let's focus on what's important here. Process is not what we should be obsessing well, over. We can't so the Senate is not taking up a budget. He has said he will not take up a budget. A budget will not move to the floor this year. Uh, and he said back in February, it's done. We don't need to do it. And it's clear now they're not doing it. So what about that? Well, I mean, I'll say what I said that night, because uh, uh, focusing on process is not what uh, the American people are interested in. What they're interested in, in make, is making sure that the Romney-Ryan budget that ends Medicare as we know it, that would allow student loan interest rates to double. Well, you get the people sitting at home that say, hey, listen, we understand that you have a problem with the Ryan budget, but there's not a Democratic budget on the table. There certainly is. President Obama proposed a budget. But it's not being voted on. That's right, because the House Republicans no, 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 voted no. it down. The Senate controls by Democrats, and they are not bringing forward the president's budget. If they wanted to vote on the president's budget, all they'd need is 51 votes to pass it. So why don't you or President Obama call Senator Reid and say, bring up President Obama's budget and vote on it? I, I don't speak for or, or tell Harry Reid what to do. What, what I think we'd have to do here is make sure that we have, we've got two budgets two different directions that we could go on November 6th and leading up to November 6th. The Romney-Ryan budget, which Mitt Romney has fully embraced, that uh, takes us back to the failed policies of the past. People are talking about it. Yep. So you can debate right. it because exactly. it's passed the and House. And we can also debate the President's budget. But it hasn't which passed makes, the Senate. Which Okay. But no, but see, this is how, have, you know how have, Congress works. No, what I know is that in this, we, we have two blueprints. Two blueprints that show the different directions that this country one can go. One has passed the Chamber of Cong you Congress are, and one has I know that it's really interesting to, instead of focusing on the details, which is really, are really meaningful to people, to focus on process. Because the details are painful but for Republicans. solutions are the, the end result, if you're trying to get solutions, you know you have to get it past Congress. So... Again, I'll say to you right. what I said. I, I know said you don't think people care about process. Harry Reid or a Senate Democrat on your on your show and ask them. I'm not. I'm none of those things. All right. So it went on and on like that. What is it that uh, these Democrats? Uh, we we don't care about process. Are we just dumb? 
we're just stupid. We don't care about process. The American people don't care about process. They care about results. Yeah, yeah, we care about process too. We're not stupid. And by the way, speaking of stupidity, I really do love Obama's choices for uh, attorneys to go up against the Supreme Court. They are a bunch of morons. The Supreme Court has been laying the smackdown on these guys for the last month. And thank goodness for that. I am so happy that Obama has putting forth inept attorneys to argue before the Supreme Court because they suck all to be damned. My dog could do a better job arguing a case in front of the Supreme Court than these clowns that Obama is sending down to 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 the to the court. I mean, excerpts are coming out that these guys don't know their asses from a hole in the ground. They are completely inept, and thank God for that. I'm telling you right now, Obama is a moron, and he is sending moronic attorneys to argue before the Supreme Court. Thank you. Thank you very much. So now the Arizona uh, immigration law, well, that's probably going to go the same way as the uh, health care law in the toilet. So that's going to be two to nothing, and thank God for that. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed because a lot of times judges will project one version of the outcome and go exactly the other way. And we've seen that happen many, many times in a lot of cases. So hopefully these inept attorneys who are too dumb to make appropriate argument in front of the Supreme Court will get their comeuppance. And the Supreme Court will vote the usual way. Uh, well, they won't be they won't be five to four because Kagan has uh, apparently uh, accused herself. Who has accused themselves? I had forgotten all about who does. I really do apologize for that. Uh, but uh, we're at the end of the show, folks. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. All my good friends, uh, Annie, Blog Talk. Casanova Frankenstein 2020, uh, John Galt, and everybody else. Thank you so much for being here, folks. Good night. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We're out. Try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's all right? Yes, everything's fine. And we want you to sleep well tonight. Let the world turn without you tonight. If we try, we'll get by, so forget all about us tonight. Everything's all right, yes, everything's all right, yes. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you, and anoint you for your hot forehead. Then you Everything's alright, yes, everything's fine And it's cool and the ointment's sweet For the fire in your head and feet Close your eyes, close your eyes and relax Think of nothing tonight Hey, woman, you find ointment brand new and expensive Why has it been wasted? We could have raised maybe 300 silver pieces or more. People who are hungry, people who are starving, they matter more than yours. 
to get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's alright? Yes, everything's alright. Yes. Surely you're not saying we have the resources to save the poor from their lot. There will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me move, while you still see me. You'll be lost and you'll be sorry when I'm gone. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you and anoint you before your hot forehead. Then you feel everything's alright, yes, everything's fine. And it's cool and the ointment sweet for the fire in your head. 